Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Marketing Blender Show. Daisy and I today are diving into what has changed in B2B marketing and why it's killing your pipeline. Now, I love, well, and hate talking about the insane pace of change nowadays, but I'm really, really excited to be able to share this with people because what they don't realize is the rules have changed and they're still trying to play the old game and then they're wondering why they're losing. And so I'm like, okay, in order to win, you have to know the rules and you have to know what's happening. So, um, where do you want to start? I'm, I'm all over the place on this cause I'm so excited about this topic. I'd like to start on a positive note, and that is every time there's a change, there's opportunity and advantage. And one of the reasons we love for people to watch this show is because we want you to be ahead of the curve, and we want our clients to be able to take advantage of the things their competitors haven't even thought about doing yet. Bravo. I love that you said that. Because a lot of times, adapting to change is more difficult from the inner game and from the teamwork aspect than it is from a cost perspective. And so people get really nervous about how much is this going to cost me and how much do I want to spend? Well, it's going to cost you time and attention, but not necessarily. And a lot of times it can be a lot more ROI because you are being more agile and you are serving people in the way that they are changing and seeking to find and derive value out of marketing and out of the services they're considering. And to that point, would you like to share a couple of statistics about how the buyer journey has changed and how people want to engage differently? Absolutely. So one of the big ones, you guys, is about uh, 15 years ago, there was this really large survey done of B2B sales professionals and um, buyers. And what they learned was that for the most part, because of the internet, of course, that buyers were two thirds of the way through their pre-buying research, basically the majority of the sales cycle before they would even talk to a human. But the crazy thing is, is nowadays in 2023, guys, some research is suggesting that they are more than 80 and even 85% of the way through their decision before they talk to a human. You know what that means? That means you either stack the cards in your favor as the one that they want to go with, or you're one of the ones that's helping to pull the price down of the favored player. So this is a really big deal in why people cannot ignore the really, really intense need for great marketing, not just some marketing, but aligned marketing with sales, with operations, and with the humans that they're actually serving. I think we're actually going to see a shift away from the types of teams that I've been seeing in B2B where there are 10 salespeople, 20 salespeople, 25 salespeople, and one marketing person. At some point, 80 to 85% of the buying journey has to stop falling on one person's shoulders. I love that. The other day I came across an old quote, obviously old because it was Abraham Lincoln, but old as in I hadn't seen it recently. <laughs> and he said, if you give me six hours to chop down a tree, I'll spend four sharpening my ax. And I thought, doggone it, that relates to marketing. Like why do people treat marketing so frequently as something as a to-do list and they just try to get it off their list and rush when they should be sharpening the ax because it's going to make it so much easier to cut down the competition and to serve their prospective buyers well because they were prepared. And this is why they miss a lot of these trends that are changing. True. So 
when we talk about marketing and what's changed about marketing, number one, marketing is more important now than ever. It's not going to get less important. It's going to get more and more important from here on out. And what that means is you have to know more and understand more about your customers than you ever have because you have to get them most of the way through their decision without even having a two-way conversation. That means your assumptions that you're making need to be spot on and you need to know exactly what's working and how to track it. This ad is brought to you by the Marketing Blender Lab. Marketing is hard for everyone, but small businesses are stuck with small budgets, not enough time, and too many options. SEO, social, paid ads, email marketing, live events. How do you choose where to focus? These are the top challenges I hear from entrepreneurs. You keep getting generic marketing advice that doesn't apply to your business. You've watched tutorials and tried a bunch of tactics that didn't work. You still don't have clarity on what you should focus on to get results. You don't have enough time to get marketing done. And maybe you've worked with freelancers or agencies that have let you down. You can get expert advice and start making real progress. The Marketing Blender Lab gives you an affordable way to work with an experienced chief marketing officer and finally get a handle on your marketing. We help you figure out how to reach your target audience and get more customers, what to focus on so you stop wasting time and money, and how to delegate effectively so you don't have to do it all yourself. Join me in the lab and let's figure out how to grow your revenue faster. I love it. Absolutely. And then at the risk of being Captain Obvious, there is a war on attention, right? The world has gotten noisier. It's louder. Everyone is doing marketing. You guys, everyone is doing digital marketing. That means the space is incredibly, incredibly crowded. So to Daisy's point, you have to actually be better than you've ever been in order to win and in order to serve. So, and this is not going to slow down. You know, I mean, a lot of B2B companies were late to the digital marketing game, but because so many people were doing it poorly, <laughs> that was okay. There were still a lot of small opportunities to win, but we are about to see AI accelerate the pace of change. And a lot of people might be thinking, oh, well, it already has chat GPT and all of this other stuff. But no, you know, right now, one of our team members commented that people are just using it to take shortcuts. And I completely and wholeheartedly agree with that. So we haven't even seen the tip of the iceberg about how it's going to change marketing's effectiveness and what people have to do in order to be able to win. And it really is at this point, both automation and AI are also being used to just generate more stuff. So again, back to the war on attention. Now those people that were hanging back on digital marketing because they didn't have the time to do all the blogging and they didn't have time to do social media, they didn't have time for all of this. They're going to have AI doing it for them. So guess what? You have even more noise that you have to combat. Absolutely. And it's not acceptable anymore to wait to see if this fad is going to blow by. The answer is no. The answer is no. It's not going to pass by and things are never going to go back to the way that they were. So one silly example, but it's not silly, is social media. There were so many B2B companies that just didn't do social media for years. And then when they did, and they did it well, right? Beautiful branding, something interesting to say. They saw really exceptional response, especially if they were doing social selling well, because so few people were. So to your point earlier, there's a lot of opportunity anytime that there's change, but you just can't sit back and go, well, I'm just going to see how this plays out. I mean, there's bigger impact on being an early adopter and, and not an adopter, an early tester 
of things so that you can at least keep the pulse on the people that you serve and see what they're doing and how they're responding to change as well. And to your point about social media marketing, we are seeing more and more companies are getting a hang on that, finally. I would say the area still for advantage is social selling. Most people are doing a horrible job at that. And I think it comes right back to there's not alignment between marketing and sales. And you must have that alignment for social selling to work. I love it. Okay. I want to bring up a couple other tactics, speaking of social selling, that we're seeing a lot of fatigue around. Webinar fatigue potentially even video fatigue, although not quite, but we are finally seeing a lot more video adoption. So I'm curious as to what is going to happen, but webinars still do work, but what's your take on this? Like when you see fatigue around a tactic that's been working or that should be working based on what we know about the market or know about the buyer's personalities and preferences, you know, what, where does your brain go on that? I think with content marketing in general and webinars fall into that, there has been a glut of content. You know, people who weren't going to trade shows were doing webinars. People are definitely webinared out in certain aspects. However, they will still flock to any topic that addresses a specific need that they have not been able to fill elsewhere. So the, again, it's not about, well, we should just stop doing webinars. Webinars don't work anymore. It's about how can we do perhaps fewer webinars, maybe even shorter webinars, but around topics that are so hot that your target market simply must make that time to attend, whether that's 20 minutes, whether that's 40 minutes, and make sure that you have the, the long tail on that. So if you've got a webinar that's good, performing well, you want to make sure you're reusing that in additional places. So yes, there's webinar fatigue. I don't think it's the end of the age of the webinar, but I do think it's the end of oh, well, we'll just do a webinar and people are bored and they're going to come see what's about because nobody's doing that. You know, something that comes to mind when you mentioned that is that people have a tendency to focus on, oh, this is in vogue or out of vogue, right? Webinars used to work and they don't now, or social media used to work for us, but it doesn't now. And they're thinking about change around the tactics or change around the technology. But really the change that they should be paying attention to is the change in the buyer's journey. When things change, prospective buyers are communicating something really, really important about how they're buying, what they need in order to create progress towards a solution, what they, what information they need to engage with in order to build confidence or trust or curiosity so that they do want to have a sales conversation. So I also think that change is misunderstood because it's that obsession with tactics. Like, I want to find that magic bullet, and is it going to work? But really, it should be, how has the buyer's journey changed? And then how do we serve them better? What are they telling us? And one of the most interesting things is, you can ask people. You can ask them, and if you're tracking your data correctly, and please be using your technology. There's no set it and forget it. Be paying attention to what these things are saying about how the journey is progressing for a buyer to solve a problem, not to buy a product or a service. I think there's also a point to be made here that the buyer journey itself from awareness to consideration to decision, the fundamentals of it don't really change because those are based on emotional decision-making and everybody needs to have their fears alleviated. They need to you know, have some kind of connection to make a decision. But we do see changes in buyer behavior. 
And those are the aspects of the buyer journey that you need to be paying attention to. And again, your data will tell you a lot of the story around buyer behavior, but you also need to talk to people in your market because you're even your best data is not going to tell you all the off-screen behaviors or the behaviors outside the platforms where you have access to track. So you need to be having the conversations, have those voice to the customer conversations, understand the, the behaviors that people have around their buying and not just where they are in the journey. I love it. Now, we are talking about things that kill the pipeline. So I want to talk about the pipeline itself and about actually understanding Certain tactics live in a very specific place in the pipeline. And when I say that, bottom pipeline, top pipeline, it means what kind of impact is it going to have on the business? And more importantly, you guys, not just what kind of impact is it going to have on the business, when is that impact going to be felt in the business? So for instance, if you're talking about things that are around visibility and thought leadership, those are top of the funnel. And that means it takes longer for those seeds that you're planning to actually harvest into leads and later on business. So there's a much longer timeline, but oftentimes people will do these top of the funnel things and then expect that they are lead or be frustrated that they're not lead generating. And it's because you're misunderstanding what the role that those are. And so the truth of the matter is if you're paying attention to change and you're paying attention to optimizing your pipeline, you simply have to figure out what's the real problem in your pipeline that you need to solve now. And so for instance, where are we losing people in the pipeline? So where are some of the common places that you see people being lost, people falling out of this lead generation pipeline? This ad is brought to you by The Marketing Blender. As you guys know, I'm a fractional CMO, and actually at The Marketing Blender, there's a whole team of us. For a fraction of the cost of a full-time executive, you can hire a chief marketing officer to write your marketing plan, to clean up your messaging and your positioning, and to drive sustainable results. We oversee multiple partners. We help mentor team members. And most importantly, we build a marketing machine that will drive results for your company for years to come. If you're curious about what this looks like, and some of our engagements go from a couple months to a couple years, check out themarketingblender.com. I call this where the yes turns into a meh. <laughs> it's often not even turning into a no. It's just, yeah, 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 yeah. And then, oh, all of a sudden, ghosting, apathy, no response. I see this a lot of times when people are doing high-value events, but they don't have a pathway to follow up. And I even see this on, in things like social media. I have these conversations all the time where people are like, well, we're posting stuff, or we did this influencer campaign, and my question is, and then what? Did you have something already set up that takes them into a next step and a next step and a next step? So often I'm seeing pipelines that are incomplete because there's no system in place to get people into the next step. So anytime you have a high engagement or an emotional engagement with a prospect, there needs to be a clear next step and there needs to be a path that they can take and it needs to be an easy next step for them because I see oftentimes that's what's killing Legion is that not that there's nobody interested or nobody coming in, but you, you're actually turning off the spigot by not giving them a clear next step. Could not agree more. I love, love, love that. And this is a little bit of a squirrel, but one of the things that comes to mind for me is email marketing. Um, when people use blanket email marketing for cold 
lead generation, I want to kill them. <laughs> I know that's so rude. First of all, it's illegal, people. You can spam laws. You're not supposed to be just blanketing lists that you do not know and sending it out. Second of all, the technology is preventing you from actually getting in front of your prospects. That's a whole bunch of wasted time and attention and money if you bought a list in order to do that. But then what we see is that people will take that attempt where they butchered a very healthy tactic, a place that every business to business person is in because we have to be, which is email, and then go, oh, it just doesn't work. Like, so exactly to what you said, they just turn off the spigot because they weren't thinking, okay, where should that be? Where do we build the trust? Where do we see people progressing or avoiding? Where's the meh showing up? And is it an email or is it because we need to add email later in the funnel or but what is it? Just start asking better questions because the quality of the questions that you ask determines the quality of the answers and the ideas and the solutions that you develop. It's so funny because oftentimes I will find B2B companies that will pay five figures for an email list and they'll pay five figures for pay-per-click campaigns, but they won't pay five figures for pay-per-click and then build an email follow-up campaign <laughs> that goes with it. <laughs> oh my gosh. And you should be watching those emails and changing them, optimizing them, getting bigger open rates, getting more click-throughs. There's no set it and forget it. So yes, I, I am amazed that they will spend all that money and then just be like, done. Like either it worked or it didn't. Oh, good Lord. Terrible, terrible. Okay, another thing, speaking of change, that we are seeing a resurgence around is trade shows. We are. And so people are coming back out. They're excited about getting back on the floor. Unfortunately, what I have not seen is people making the best use of trade shows. So they're, they've gone back to business as usual, which is we spent $40,000 to go to a trade show. and We're not sure what we got out of it. So trade shows have come back to life, but they're not magically effective. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think it's basically just this whole conversation distilled down to one super expensive tactic that there's a whole journey around trade shows. You have to understand the role that they play and then maximize, optimize, maximize, optimize the whole system. But I am enjoying getting back out with people, asking them the questions, seeing what works. But as an example, a trade show that we went to recently, I mean, we all just sat down and came up with at least a dozen optimizations that we're going to apply to the next trade show. And this one was successful for us. And, yeah, and everybody should be doing that every single time. Exactly. It's never, again, oh, well, this didn't work. It's what did we learn from what worked and what didn't, and how much thought are we putting into it you know, ahead of time? Because selling stuff in a booth, unless you're the ShamWow guy, that's not where the majority of your leads come from. You need to have a pre-conversation, uh, and it's not necessarily blasting an email to participants before they hit the trade show. We, our tactic was to make sure that we had an early morning workshop. And then every conversation in the booth was about, did you go to the workshop? Yes. Would you like a replay? Would you like the deck? Did you go to the workshop? No. Would you like a replay? Would you like the deck? We had our messaging choreography nailed down and we got so many leads out of just making sure that we were presenting value early so we could get yeses in the booth that have then turned into conversations. And we can track the interest. Because since those were preset, where if they said yes to, I want the presentation, 
Those are data points that we were able to track. And then there's nurture systems behind them. And we can actually watch what happened all the way through from that presentation to the traffic at the booth, to the downloading of the presentation, all the way through to email and whether or not they booked a call. That means it's fun. It <laughs> it's is. fun when it works. It's so exciting. Okay. So I'm going to take one little twist, like a weird twist on change before we wrap this one up. One of the things that is changing frequently, especially for people doing digital marketing, if they have a good digital marketer, their campaigns are changing all the time. You guys, good digital marketers are optimizing your campaigns every single day. They're turning keywords off, they're changing phrasing, and they're optimizing targeting because they're trying to make sure that it's working. But if you have not thought about what happens when your digital marketing does work, where they click on something, especially a click to call, and they get in touch with a live person, and that live person has no clue what to say, you're in trouble. And that is one of the things that I'm seeing frequently is what needs to change is people paying attention to the connection to their marketing. So that when somebody does answer the phone, they are ready, they are high value, they are providing service, and they are continuing a smooth conversation from what they saw in a Google AdWords campaign or anything else to what happened the second, the first 30 seconds when the phone was answered and how quickly somebody responded to them. All of that really comes down to brand experience. So people think of marketing as this and sales as that and customer service as the other thing. And in IT, there's this new like DevOps sec where development and operations and security all work together. Well, I think it's the same thing, marketing, sales, and customer service. We need to smoosh it all together under brand experience because you can't afford to have all those leads come in through marketing and they fall off, you know, because the sales process wasn't where it needed to be or because somebody called in with a question, they talked to customer service and they got a bad impression. It has to be everyone pulling in the same direction. I love that. I mean, that's the thing you guys is we could literally talk to you about the specifics of change all day long because it's happening more and more rapidly. But the more things change, the more things stay the same. And what's staying the same those are humans behind those clicks. Those are humans behind those leads. Those are humans behind those conversations and behind those changes. And again, they are seeking to solve a problem or achieve a desired goal. Believe it or not, if they are hovering anywhere around your marketing and your brand, they actually want to buy from you because it means you're going to solve their problem. Let them stop getting in their way. Stop over complicating and go back to some human fundamentals about serve instead of sell. And the closer that you get to that, the faster you will identify change, identify what it means, what the humans are doing behind those changes, and then be able to iterate to them and serve and blow past your competition because you're navigating change well. Any final thoughts before we wrap this one? I think we're good. I love it. You guys, thank you so much. And we will see you on the next episode. Next month, we are going to segue into sales and marketing alignment. So talking about pipeline today, we're going to get in the nitty gritty of how do you make sure that marketing and sales is talking together and you are getting maximum return on investment. Onward and upward. 
We hope you learned something today that will help you succeed with your marketing. And if you liked what you heard, definitely give us a thumbs up and a subscribe. Don't forget to check the show notes. We're sharing free tools and resources there. And you guys, we would love to hear your comments. So drop one in or send us an email and maybe we'll use your topic on a future show.